Americans are lonely. You may be lonely. According to a recent survey by Harvard's Graduate School of Education, 36% of respondents reported feeling lonely frequently or almost all of the time in the prior four weeks of the survey. A startling 61% of young people aged 18 to 25 are lonely. 51% of mothers with young children reported high degrees of loneliness. And this survey also reported that this, this issue of loneliness is something that was exacerbated by the pandemic. We got even more lonely. One pandemic led to another pandemic of greater loneliness. Being lonely carries with it the same, if not greater, health risk as heavy smoking, drinking, and obesity. Physical and cognitive functioning worsens in isolation. There's an earlier mortality, higher, I'm sorry, there's a higher mortality rate for those who identify as lonely. Scientifically, isolation, doing things on your own, pulling up your own bootstraps, living life, relying on yourselves. Scientifically, that way of doing things is bad for you. And those in churches aren't immune. It's not just those who, who go to work by themselves, in a car by themselves, sit in, in an office by themselves, do work by themselves, drive home by themselves, watch TV and eat dinner by themselves and go to bed by themselves who are lonely. It can be those in church environments. You can walk in and be surrounded by hundreds, thousands of people and still not connect with others in a deep and meaningful way. You can still be surrounded by people and be lonely. The local church, God's visible expression of his people here on earth, when done well, I believe is the only answer to this problem, to this issue of loneliness. And I say when done well, because we cannot do church well. <laughs> I say when, when done well, because there are certain ideas actions that must be central if true biblical community is to flourish. Here's the first one. First, we must have a rich theology of community. We're, we're jumping right into this. We must have a rich theology of community. God's nature is communal. We worship a God who is what? Who is triune, who is a trinity. He is an eternal relationship with himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our community, what we do together, our interdependence on one another, our fellowship with one another is really an expression of God's eternal nature. God made us ingrained for a need or with a need for others. In the Garden of Eden, God makes man. He creates man out of the ground, out of dust. Man has named the animals. He's given uh, him the Garden of Eden to work and to, 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 to cultivate. And so Adam is in fellowship with the triune God. 
He has a job that he loves, a job that he enjoys. You would think that would be enough for Adam. But God says in Genesis 2.18, he says in Genesis 2.18, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. And so I know he's talking about a mate here. But with that, we we can also say that there's a deep need to know and be known by others. It's ingrained in us. God designed us to feel that something is missing when we're not connected with other people, even though we are connected to him. And shortly after Genesis 2, in Genesis 3, the very next chapter, the fall happens and there's strife. There's friction between God and man and and man and man. And so shortly after that, God enacts his plan of of restoration and redemption to bring those relationships back to to wholeness, peace, shalom. And he chooses a people group, a community, Israel, people who traveled together, who worshiped together, who shared life together. God said, these will be my people. And then from Israel comes who? Jesus. Jesus, who himself lived in community, who himself encouraged us to to love and serve one another in community, whose life, death, and resurrection, his death payment for our sin, brought us back into community with the triune God, and and bore us, born us into a community of people. You are not just saved as an individual. And Western churches tend to focus on the individual component of salvation. It's me and my personal relationship with Jesus. It's all about me and what I can get, my personal relationship with Jesus. You are saved by community, the triune God, into a community. And that's what scripture says. You you can't get around it. If you look at 1 Corinthians 12, 27, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. You individually, collectively come together. You are part of the body of Christ. You cannot run away from that body any more than my hand can run away from me. You are part of that body. Titus 2.14, Jesus who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. We often emphasize the first part of that passage, to redeem us. But why did he redeem us? To make for himself a people that are his very own possession, that we may collectively, together, be his. Look at Ephesians 2. 19 through 22, again, it's up here. I know this is small, so if you're in the back, you'll regret that. If you have bad vision, come to the front. 
uh, Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone and whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the spirit. You are citizens of the same country. You are part of the family of God. You are collectively the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. We are collectively now the temple of God. Yes, Paul tells us your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, but here he ups that imagery and he says, we collectively are being built up as a temple of the Holy Spirit. Here's my point with all of this. You cannot Walk away from reading God's word and think to yourself, it's just about me as an individual. It's just about Jesus's relationship with me. Christianity is simply something for me to experience in isolation, just like life coaching would be or therapy. It's just about me and what I can get and how I can improve myself. It's about my own personal relationship with Jesus. You cannot read God's word and then isolate yourself and then say, I'm living consistently. When it comes to Christianity, independence is not a virtue. Now, it's an American cultural virtue Rely on yourself, don't rely on anybody else. But it is not a kingdom virtue. We are made better to be better together. We are saved into a community. Okay, Larry, I get it. Theologically, there's a lot that, you know, kind of explains our our DNA and how we're made and and the call, you know, we're saved into a community. I get it. So, so... I should go look for community, right? Yes and no. This is my second point. I think we're called to cultivate community, not just look for it. We are called to build community, not just look for it. I was reading an article by a pastor, Eugene Park, about people trying out churches and and walking in and saying, you know, we're looking for a community. We're looking for a community. And again, I don't think if you said that walking into a church, your intentions are inherently sinful, Uh, uh, but there, there comes something there. He says the assumption is, is that community is found like a, like stumbling upon a, a hidden treasure. He goes on to say, when we try to find a church community, we treat the church as a consumer. We look for the perfect fit. We look for certain things in bail at the first sign of discomfort or disagreement or disappointment. Now, there are reasons to walk into a church and walk out, 100%. 
If the pastor is up there preaching gibberish, you, you, you get up and you turn around and you get up. I'm not talking about discerning is the gospel being preached here. But if we're like, hey, I'm looking for a community that just meets my needs, and this community has to have A, B, and C, that community is, is easily found, yeah, but it's also just as easily left when things get hard, when, when things get challenging. When we do that, we avoid the depth needed to transform our lives. I think it would be healthy for mature Christians who, who move into an area or move into a church or try a church out to get out of the mind frame of, of man, I need to look for community. I need to be a shopper of community. And I think it needs to be more of, I need to be a builder of community. I need to be a cultivator of gospel community. Okay, what does that mean to, to build and, and cultivate? The New Testament is, is filled with one another commandments. <laughs> There's over a hundred one another's and, and you know, one another, love one another, serve one another. These, these are imperatives for, for the church, commands for the church to build the church, to make strong gospel communities. And these generally come after Paul has laid a foundation. This is the gospel. This is who you are. This is what it looks like to put your faith and trust in Christ. Now, here's what it looks like to live out that gospel in community. And it's often plural. You is you all, like in Texas. Not just you, but y'all. Y'all better love one another. Y'all better serve one another. I mean, we see this throughout. You bear with one another. James 5.16, confess to one another. Galatians 5.26, do not envy one another. Romans 12.10, be devoted to one another. Galatians 5.13, serve one another. Philippians 2.3, regard one another as more important than yourself. Ephesians 4.25, speak truth to one another. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, encourage and build up one another. Hebrews 10.24, spur one another to love and good deeds. James 5.16, pray for one another. 1 Peter 4.9, be hospitable to one another. John 13.35, love one another. This is how we cultivate gospel community. Now, it's easy for us to walk into a church as a consumer and say, that's not being done. That's not being done. This is being done. That's not being done. Now I'm going to weigh those options and see if I want to be a part of this community Instead of saying, this is what it looks like, this is what we're all called to do to cultivate gospel community. Now, this requires, be honest, blood, sweat, tears, friction, discomfort, perseverance, conflict. Really, anything worth building requires such things. It's why those of a consumer mindset avoid such environments because it's hard. It makes life complex, less simple. We generally want things that make life less complex and more simple. But if you desire to be part of a church community, I'm, I'm gonna guarantee you, your life will get a little bit more complex. 
a little less simple. I'm perfect. I am very easy to get along with. I don't ever say anything offensive or off-putting. I always say the right thing in the right circumstance to make you feel good about yourself and comfortable. We're sinful, man. We're broken. But it's also the environment that God calls us to to transform one another, to, to sanctify one another. It's not easy, but it's good. I really do think those who avoid such environments miss out on, on transformative experiences that build deep friendships that last forever. And they're deep friendships because they're built on, on something different. Be a cultivator of community. Be a cultivator, a builder of community. And build on the foundation that is Christ. That's my last major point here. Gospel community has Christ as the foundation. Earlier we read from Ephesians 2, 19. I'll put it back up here, I believe. I think I have some of it on here. How much of it do I have it on here? But, to, but built on the foundation, it's talking about our communities, our gospel communities, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ, Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple of the Lord. In him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We build on a foundation of what the apostles and prophets has taught us about Jesus. In fact, Jesus Christ himself is the cornerstone of what we do here. He is the cornerstone of, of this and every biblical community. He's the foundation, the principal stone, the most solid stone that sets and guides all others. What brings churches together? What brought the early church together? After a great influx of believers happened after the preaching of Peter, we see in Acts 2, 42, it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. They gathered because of their desire to know Jesus more to fellowship with one another. This breaking of bread could be communion, to remember what Christ Jesus has done. It could be simply eating and sharing life together with those who also have been transformed by Christ's work on the cross for them. The Holy Spirit has changed their life. We are fellowshipping together with those people and we are praying together to the God we love, to the God who has saved us. We're told later that they were united in heart and mind. Their passion was to follow and glorify God. The common denominator in all of their relationships was, was the person and work of Jesus. They had been saved. They had been shown mercy and grace. They had been forgiven. Now they desired to know God more and for others to know him. 
I truly believe that the only thing that can unite people in this divided, broken world is Christ Jesus. If you were a certain ethnicity, you'd walk into this room and say, man, there's a lot of white people. But even in this group of Caucasians, mostly, you would say there's diversity. We don't all like the same things. Some of you homeschool your kids. I don't. Some of you drink soy milk. I like the alternative almond milk. Some of you cheer for this team. I I cheer for that team. Some of you like motorcycles. Uh, Some of you are like, I don't want anything to do with that. I mean, some of you like to, to eat out most often. You know, some of you like to, to cook food. Some, some of you uh, support this candidate. Some of you support this candidate. I mean, some of you like camping. Some of you aren't crazy. And you, you like to sit comfortably in an air-conditioned room. I've never gone camping and laying there at night on a rocky ground being like, I, I, I like this. Um, old, young, poor, middle class, cool, uncool. Our fellowship, our, our oneness. The reason we gather is deeper than all those things. It's deeper than race. It's deeper than ethnicity. It's deeper than culture. It's deeper than, it's deeper than preference. We have the most important thing in common. A love for Jesus. God has saved us. Both. And now we both desire, we all desire to follow him. Political leaders like to hypothesize as to what might bring our world together. The world will be brought together one day. But it'll be under the banner of Jesus Christ. It'll be when every tribe, every nation, and every tongue comes together to worship Jesus. I truly believe the gospel is our only hope for common ground, for unity with those we disagree with. Because if I agree with you that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He came and paid the price for our sin, and that the only way we can know Him is through faith in His work on our behalf, I can overlook a lot of other things. Because that is ultimately the thing that will last. Our preferences won't. You you may switch political parties. (gasps) Me? No. Yes. You may switch uh, your preferences and what you like and what you like to do. But, But that, that has eternal significance. That is something worth building our community on. When it comes to this epidemic of loneliness, I believe, I believe, I believe the church and the gospel it preaches is the only answer. 
The gospel addresses the root sin problem between man and God and man and man. The gospel gives us a pattern of selflessness that helps us cultivate deep relationships that last. And with Christ as the foundation, the giver of life, we have a common desire to follow, love, and glorify God. All other differences that destroy community elsewhere become secondary. Why are you talking about this today? Because I care for you. Because I love you. And because I desire for you to grow. Because I see time and time and time again as a pastor seeing people isolating themselves when they need others most. I see it over and over again. People running from community when they should in that very moment turn around and run into community. And that's just kind of our fleshly response to when we're struggling in life, when we're struggling with sin, when something bad is to happen. It could be pride. It could be, I don't want other people to see me hurt or think I'm weak. Uh, it could be a multitude of reasons, but we run, hide, and isolate ourselves in hurt alone. And so we have to, with the Spirit's help, ask Him to give us the courage and confidence not to move away from people, but move towards them. I'm, I'm preaching this today because God has often worked powerfully through others, speaking through others in my life. Yes, I've been praying. God has impressed something on my heart. But as many times as that has happened, God has shared wisdom through another person. And, and they've cleared up something. They've made something complex simple. They've made an issue I've been struggling with very simple. And they've given me direction and wisdom as to what I'm supposed to do. They are acting as a vessel of God. They are speaking on God's behalf for me. God is using them with the power of the Spirit to speak uh, truth into my life that I need to hear. I, I talk about this because real growth and I'm not talking about church growth, like getting bigger and packing this room out, but real deep transformation happens when we are rubbing shoulders, when we are in the trenches, when we are fighting the same fight, when we are sharpening one another's iron, it happens when we're together. It doesn't happen in isolation. This whole idea of pandemic church television, man, I understood it. It was for a reason. I absolutely hated it because people found out, man, if I can go to church in my pajamas without getting up, without needing to get ready, if I can have church without other people, man, I really prefer that. It's a lot simpler. But then what we saw is people really struggling. <laughs> There's a reason people are struggling or struggled with depression and anxiety during the pandemic. It's because they weren't connected with others. They were going against the grain of their DNA of how God created them and their call to live in community as God's people. You cannot grow in isolation. 
Well, what if I'm on a desert island, Pastor Larry? What if I'm shipwrecked? Well, then we'll have that conversation. <laughs> but you're not. Most of you can walk here. <laughs> Most of you can walk to your community groups, get on a bike. People have done a lot more for a lot less. And so if you value community, you'll make time for it. I'm talking about this today because God has seen in our unity. Church marketing, man, church marketing is a major business. I get calls and magazines and mailers all the time. Hey, you want to grow your church fast? You know, give me 30 days. We will triple your attendance. Just listen to my church marketing plan. We're going to make your website dope. You're going to have mailers. We're going to have a billboard. Your name on it, Pastor Larry. Doesn't that sound good? We're going to spend thousands of dollars. Guys, we do some of it. I mean, we have a website. That's about it. We got some flags on the sidewalk. So we do some marketing. We do mailers sometimes. We, we connect with the schools and we send things out. I'm not above that. But I don't think it's the most efficient and effective marketing strategy for what God is doing in this church. You are. We are. And John, it doesn't, it's not going to be up here, but I'm going to read this to you. This is Jesus praying for people who have put their faith in him. I do not ask for these only, but for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, they may also be in us. That's what we've been talking about. The Trinity invites us in to that community, but he doesn't stop there. So the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me, and they may become perfectly one so that, this is a, a, a clause of purpose, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. God uses our, our community, our unity to make himself known to the world. We are together, one body. And as we love one another, we are a more potent marketing strategy than any dollar spent on ads, mailers, or spent to Google so that when somebody types in Castle Rock Church, our name pops up at the top. You are a more effective strategy. We are a more potent strategy when we love and serve one another because you cannot deny, if you're on the outside looking in, you cannot deny that something different against the cultural grain is happening. And many people see that. I saw that. Many people see that and go, man, there must be be something about the God they love because of all their different differences, they are still able to come together and be united as one. When people see our oneness, 
others see that Jesus is in fact real. You were made for community. Stop isolating yourself. You are called to cultivate with Christ as as your foundation. And when we collectively invest in a biblical community, God will show himself to our world. So, So go, go, go and share life. And wherever you call church home, plant yourself there and cultivate. Amen? Let's pray.